0: Saul Pet's parents were serving as missionaries in Uganda when their mission base was attacked and they were murdered, giving their lives for the gospel. Of course, Saul was upset at losing his parents, and even now, years later, he still doesn't completely understand God's plan. But he has faith that in eternity, God's purposes will be clear.
1: I won't know his purpose till I get there and ask him, and I can sit with him and say, God why did you do this? And he may just look at me and point, and there may be a whole flock of people that they're there because of mom and dad and because of the way that they were taken from this world. And he may say, this happened for that one person, right there.
2: Jesus never promised his followers an easy path.
1: In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help. Right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.
0: Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and uh, we are connected across the miles today with Saul and Ezra Pett. They are the sons of Warren and Donna Pett, uh, who were martyred in Uganda in 2004. And we're going to talk about Warren and Donna's story. If you get The Voice of the Martyrs magazine, you will remember during th- The Martyrs issue last year, we told the story of Warren and Donna, and we're going to dive into that this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Saul and Ezra, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having us.
0: Let's just share a little bit about your parents because I find their story very fascinating. Because it's not like they, you know, went to Bible school and had this idea we're going to be missionaries from day one. They were farmers. You guys had a family farm. It was a second generation on the farm. Talk about their transition and, and how they made that decision to say, okay, the, we're, you know, we're along in our life. Talk about that decision to go overseas and, and how your parents came to that calling.
1: Mom and dad had always been super involved with, with evangelism, even from the time when we were little. Dad would take classes at uh, New Tribes or, or uh, walks Bible school at times just to better familiarize himself with, with the gospel and how to impart that knowledge to other people. It was a constant at our house, you know, and as they got older, uh, dad had talked about going into ministry full time. If that was something he wanted to do, Um, I know those those discussions were happening um, between my mom and dad one year on the way home from the missions harvest fest. And my mom looked at my dad and said, I need to talk to you about something. My dad said, "Okay, good. I need to talk to you about something, too. He said, you go first. She said, I think we're being called to the missions field. He said, well, that makes mine easier because that's what I was going to say. <laughs> so, And that was the conversation they had. So God stalked, talked to both of them at the same conference at the same time when they were both ready and said, this is something that we need to consider doing. I found a missions organization to take them overseas. And that was AIM at the time. So African Inland Missions is the organization they traveled with. And then taking those next steps of, what does it look like to sell a farm that's been in the family for almost 100 years? And then what does that look like? And how does that impact not just us, but our kids and our kids' families? And what is that going to mean
2: moving forward? We knew the direction that they were going. That's what they've always done. That's how we were raised. Dad just would always talk to anybody about his God. It, it was just a natural move for him. and So I, I felt fully comfortable with it.
1: If you stood next to my dad for more than two minutes and he didn't ask you if you knew God as your savior, that was weird. And it was in everything that he did.
0: We're talking this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Saul and Ezra Pett. They're the sons of Warren and Donna Pet, who were martyred in Uganda in 2004. Uh, let's talk about the transition into Uganda and the type of ministry that they were doing there. How, how did God open that door and direct them to the ministry in Uganda?
1: Mom and dad had always wanted to be in a more rural, more integrated with the local community type setting. And if you could incorporate farming into that, that was the perfect scenario for them. And so they eventually got connected with a group called Here's Life in Uganda. That group ran a school called the Evangelical School of Technology in Oringa. Um, and that school was in rural Yumbe, Uganda, very northwest corner. West Nile, Uganda, and that school was working on starting a sustainable farming program for the community and students. So the school there was all about teaching young Christians how to create a viable business model so that they could then use that to witness to the community. So my parents went there to help them learn what sustainable farming looked like.
0: And I think it's important for our listeners to understand this is a part of Uganda that is predominantly Muslim. So uh, this is uh, an area where the the bulk of the population around them is Muslim. How exciting was that for your parents or how intimidating was that for your parents to know, yes, we're doing this farming work, but we're really on the front lines of ministry here?
1: The Demographics in Uganda, for the majority of the country, is 75% Christian. But in West Nile, Uganda, it's 75% Islamic. So it is a Muslim-dominated culture. So for my parents, I don't know that they felt any fear or hesitation in that environment. I don't remember having a direct conversation with my dad about it. But by knowing his personality, he probably felt excited because there'd be a whole lot of people that didn't know. So he'd have more people to talk to.
0: And this also incorporated the, the farming element. So their their lifetime of farming experience is now brought to bear training new farmers, training others in, in some of the things they had learned. It just seems like it was a perfect fit for them.
2: Absolutely. So not only the farming stuff, and uh, mom was also teaching women sewing and how to make things how to, how to grow things how to be better homemakers, homemakers. How to, Yep. how to be
1: better mothers I, And she got to work with the women of the community and really instruct them and and raise them up and be part of that witness to them right and and teach them what it means to be a christian wife and a christian mother and and be part of that so she got to extend her own family to all these women that she got to got to know there so that was another huge part of the, of the situation because it allowed my mom to have that input and that relational witness as well.
0: We're talking this week on Voice of Martyrs Radio with Saul and Ezra Pett. They are the sons of Warren and Donna Pett who were killed in Uganda in 2004. Saul and Ezra, how, how did you get the news that your parents had been killed?
2: Um, i just gotten home from work that night, and uh, my grandfather called me. And said that he had some terrible news, and that was that mom and dad had been killed in Uganda. Um, that was how I think grandpa called everybody. But for me, at first, it was just so crazy. Like, how could this be real? Yeah.
1: So the first words out of my mouth, when grandpa told me, because I was at home with my wife in the kitchen. I remember it probably way Better than I want to. And the first words out of my mouth were, "Are you sure? Could it be? Could could they be mistaken? Like, could it be someone else? Are they are they sure this is this is real?" And then grandpa said, "Yes, all this is real. This is this has happened, and we need to decide what happens next." I went outside, told God I was done talking to him forever, so I was going to speak to him no more until he could give me a good reason why all this would happen. It took years. My faith basically evaporated for a very long time. Um, Went through the motions. I was married at the time, had young kids. Wanted them to know God. Wanted them to understand what that looked like, but didn't didn't necessarily want to have a relationship with the person who took my parents away. I don't know. I I know that sounds harsh, but that's how my brain worked. That's that's the way that I saw it. This this event devastated me. I was 28 years old. I didn't have a choice but to, to put all the grief away and put everything away and just do what I felt needed to be done for the telling of my parents' story. Well, you don't grieve then and you don't heal then. Um, I buried it and I left it buried for a long time. And then it would pop up at horrible times and rear its ugly head and be absolutely miserable to be around. And that's who I became sometimes, just absolutely miserable to be around. God put people in my life that kept poking the wall to see if they could get it to fall down in 22 when my brother said, Hey, you want to go with me to Uganda? And I went, no, sure. When are we leaving? And I went there with the wall still intact. I was an angry, angry Christian. And then you get there and you start to meet these people. You don't have a choice, but to stop being angry. Like it just melts like you they had so much love for our parents and they had so much pain that they had dealt with by themselves with no support that you couldn't be mad at them because they were going through the same pain and the same struggles and the same hardships as you were or worse. The stories they told and the love they had and the joy that was in them and just every day. Just, it was extraordinary to be part of. And the, the, the love that they have for us, never having met us before, was extraordinary to me.
0: In the years bef- before that trip, had you had any desire to go to Uganda and, and to see the place where your parents were, where they worked, where they were killed? Had that been a part of your thought process at all? Or was that something like, I have no desire to do that?
2: Absolutely no desire one bit. I think is the uh, the best way that I could put it for myself. Like Saul, I had
1: all kinds of anger. I didn't know
2: where all my anger was from. I put God on the back burner for many years. After going on this trip and meeting these people that I was angry with, and like Saul said, there's no way you could be angry anymore. Everything was lifted. I came home. My wife asked who I was. She's like, I'm just going to take a little bit getting used to this uh, person that's smiling all the time and not angry. And it was a joy of things that I had lifted from uh, pain that had finally been erased for the most part, but also having that joy of God too. How How did the
0: trip come about? How did it come about that you made the trip? Who came up with that idea?
2: When I lived in Tanzania, I lived with the Hamilton family. Their daughter, Heather, she married a man named John Miller, another missionary kid, and he worked for SP, Samaritan's Purse. They got moved to Kampala, which is in southern Uganda. She knew that I was always in the well industry. Uh, and the people, uh, the Oringa people needed clean water. And that's what made me get excited because I've been in the water industry my entire adult life. So that's how the whole trip started. So that's,
1: he's, he's underselling it. So this, this frustrated, angry kid who didn't call me very often that we had a, we still had a good relationship, but we weren't, didn't get together that often. We weren't that close. He calls me one day and he says, so, Hey, I'm thinking I'm going to go to Uganda and we're going to, I'm going to do wells. And he was, he was absolutely excited through that conversation. By the end of it, I just said, okay, cool. When we leaving?" Now, if you had asked me in that, that conversation, I think, happened in October. If you had asked me in June when I was going to Uganda, before you finished asking the question, I would have said never. That I'm never going there. I'm not going there. I have no interest in it. I don't want to talk to those people. I don't want to see where they were. I don't want anything to do with any of it ever. I don't need to do that. I'm just about healed and I need to be left alone. And then he asked me to go with him. And I went and I found out what healing actually feels like. Because none of us healed. None of us did. There needed to be closure. Him having the excitement he had about going to do wells in Uganda was outstanding. And that's what inspired me to go with him. He went there to build wells. I went there to build a relationship with my brother. again. It's the reason I went. Now I got a whole lot more than I bargained for.
0: Your parents, it's not like they were there for 25 years and you know they were there not very long and then they were killed and yet you go there and there are still people who are talking about them. There are still people who are telling stories about them who obviously were impacted by their ministry. How much did that mean to you to see that even in a short time they had left a legacy that that is still alive and, and still going forward today?
2: It was amazing and I think that was one of the biggest healing parts also is being able to see their their fruits continue there and meet the people that were their students and how they are moving on with their lives and their families and their businesses. And and it helped me heal knowing that they truly did die for a huge reason. Their story just continues. Uh, We met a, a lady who was a... Sudanese refugee, it came in twenty sixteen. So twelve years after her parents passed, she knew fully about the story. Wow. Uh, it, it's a very well known story in the in the community.
0: We're talking this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Saul and Ezra Pet. Their parents, Warren and Donna, were killed in Uganda in two thousand four. They were there serving the Lord in missions. Do you have? Further involvement in Uganda? Do you have further plans to travel and be there?
1: So we created a foundation to raise money to put wells in Uganda and to help the church of Uganda, especially rural Uganda in the Northwest Nile area, to start to get their feet underneath them or try to help them if we can. Now, they don't need us. They didn't come to us and say we need money. They didn't come to us and say we need help. But they're going to invite us to walk with them. We funded a memorial project for our parents that we're going back to dedicate while we're there. uh, We've also just recently funded a well study at ESTA. Actually that test was just
2: completed last night and it'll take a few days and then we'll get all the results. So hopefully that's something that we can also be moving forward, take a look at when we're over there this time too. Or we might get the go ahead and they could start working on it when we get there. One thing at ESTA with the farm, they have started a fish farm there now. And it's huge, but water is a very big thing that they need even, it's more of a calling for with this fish farm and the gardens and the greenhouses that they have. up. When we were there last year, it was a very, I would say a desolate looking place where they're trying to make life come back. And now it looks like life is there again and it it's is growing again. strong
1: so sin, even since we were there, right, so we went and the fish farm was under construction. They had a couple of head of cattle, some goats, and that was about it. There was a small church, but that pastor was being transferred, and they didn't know who was going to take his place. And it was just this, it was this really almost valley type experience, right, where they were starting to drop into this valley. And since then, the fish farms are fully up and running. They've had uh, a boom in their cattle so they've got, I think, three or four new heads of cattle, that calves that have been born. They created a greenhouse where they grow tomatoes and peppers and, and other items. They are starting to expand and then look at what else they can do in the community and how else they can then impact the youth of the community so they can start to bring them back in and, and show them that you can be prosperous doing this kind of stuff. You can make a living doing these kinds of things. So it's really a neat time of transition for them right now. And and so it's just really exciting that even in the, the 18 months since we were there, all of these things have started to happen. Um and they're just they're they're beautiful. And it is absolutely a gorgeous thing to see to see happening.
0: There are people listening to Voice of the Martyrs Radio who maybe they're where your parents were at. They they've had a career they've maybe raised their family or they've almost finished raising their family and God is knocking on their heart saying, Hey, what if you went to Africa? What if you went to the Middle East? What if you went to Asia? Talk to those people about that decision because you, you have seen your parents make that decision. You've also suffered in some ways, the results of that decision, but, but talk to those people who might be sort of wrestling with that calling, even in, in midlife.
1: If you're called go, cause you don't have a choice. Mom and dad didn't have a choice. There was no other option for them. Talk about the fact that had they known the way this story was going to end before they went to Uganda, they still would have went to Uganda because their God called them to Uganda. And there was no saying no to that. If you feel like you're being called, I would ask you to evaluate where you are and what you're doing where you are. Because if you're feeling called, but you've never done anything to spread the word of God. you not, you haven't been active in that. I look at mom and dad and I say the thing that, that set them apart as Christians from, from before they ever went to be missionaries is they were missionaries the whole time. It just was a matter of where they were missionaries. And if that's Amen. the life that you have here, if that's the, the, the mentality you have with where you are now, then absolutely evaluate where you can go to be a missionary. At the same time, I would say there's plenty of people who need you here as well to be a missionary to them. Because there's plenty of people in your neighborhood, it's your job, at your community, that that need to hear the word of God, just like the people overseas need to hear the word of God. And so, so you can be that person here, but if you feel that you need to go beyond that, if you feel called by God to go beyond that, then you absolutely have to respond. And there won't be any other option for you. There won't be a, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Because if you feel that call the way my parents did, you're going to, you're going to go because that's who you are and he's sending. you.
0: So then my last question has to do with prayer, because we always try to equip listeners to pray. And I am thinking of, uh, for you guys, it's been 20 years since your parents were killed. You have been very honest that, that there were times that really shook your faith. It really shook your relationship with God there are people today who are mourning a husband or a wife or their parents who were killed three months ago or six months ago or a year ago. How can you equip us or how can you advise us to pray for those people who are in the midst of that loss right now?
1: The the idea of praying for healing, reconciliation, forgiveness, the ability to see beyond you. Because when when i was angry it was selfish when i was when i was angry at god it was cuz i was mad at god cuz he took mom and dad away but that's not what he did that's not his purpose wasn't i'm going to take your parents away see what see how you react his purpose was bigger than that right and we can't see that we don't know his purpose i won't know his purpose till i get there and ask him and i can sit with him and say god why did you do this and he may just look at me and point and there may be a whole flock of people that They're there because of mom and dad and because of the way that they were taken from this world. And the only reason they're there is because of that story. And he always got to do his point point, say, that's why. And he may say, this happened for that one person right there. This all happened so that I could get to that one person because I wanted that one person here with me, just like I wanted you guys here with me. Yes, you're the one that feels the pain and you're the one that feels the grief, but there's other people that are feeling that too and being able to see outside of yourself and say, okay, God has a purpose, God has a reason. I don't understand it, I don't know the path, I don't know the road, but I don't need to because I know the one that made it. And it's gonna be good, even if it doesn't always feel good.
0: As we are airing this conversation here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio, Saul and Ezra are actually in Uganda right now. Would you join me to pray for the success of their trip? Pray for great blessing on them as they serve. Great blessing on the people of Uganda that they are serving. If you missed any of our conversation today with Saul and Ezra Pet, you can hear this episode again at vomradio.net. It's not an accident that we're talking about a martyred Christian couple this weekend on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. This is the month of June. June 29th marks the day of the Christian martyr. It is the anniversary, according to church historians, of the martyrdom of the Apostle Paul outside the city of Rome. That's why June 29th was chosen. Every year, every June, Voice of the Martyrs produces resources to help tell the story of a Christian who gave their life for the cause of Christ. This year, the story that we're focusing on is a man named Abdiwali Ahmed, an ethnic Somali Christian gunned down in Northern Kenya in 2013, 20 years after he left Islam to follow Jesus Christ. I wanna encourage you to come to the website, watch this year's Day of the Christian Martyr video, and share it with your church family, share it with your pastor, share it with your own family or your Bible study group. One of the really cool things about this year's video is that we get to hear Abdiweli's voice telling parts of his story. We had an audio recording of him sharing his testimony. And so in this year's video, you get to hear him telling how he came to follow Christ and telling about some of the sacrifices that he faced after making that decision. And the goal as we tell these stories every year on Day of the Christian Martyr is to inspire all of us to think about What would I give to see my city reached for Christ? What would I give to see my neighbors won into the kingdom of Christ? We want to think about, we want to be inspired by the sacrifice that Abdiweli and so many other Christians have made. Again, come to the website, watch this four-minute video, share it with other Christian friends. We'll give you a link at vomradio.net. You can also get all of the Day of the Christian Martyr resources at Voice of the Martyr's main website, which is persecution.com. Next week, we're going to hear how children are being reached for Christ and discipled to serve him all over the world, including hostile and restricted nations. Please be back for that conversation
1: next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.